Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast, a show where we bring you insights from media industry experts to help journalists do their jobs better. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. This week, we'll be getting tips on managing your screen time as a journalist. Our devices are everywhere, aren't they? We have to use them for our work. We use them in our downtime. You're using one right now if you're listening to this episode. Screens, necessary and enjoyable as they are, compete for our attention every day and too much screen time takes its toll on our minds and our ability to switch off. Here to talk to me about this is Dr. Charlotte Armitage, a psychologist and psychotherapist specialising in the film and TV industry. A lot of her work explores our relationships with screens and devices. What she has found is that spending too much time with technology damages our relationships with people in the real world, something which is so precious to our mental health as journalists. So we'll be hearing some professional tips and advice on how to develop healthy relationships with our devices. That's all coming up, so don't go anywhere. Charlotte, welcome back to the journalism.co.uk podcast. Uh, Thanks again for coming on our show. Thanks for having me. The irony of today's conversation is not really lost on me. You and I are speaking on a computer screen and we're going to talk a lot about screen time. Uh, today, something I know you're you're working a lot uh, in and around at the moment. Um, I thought a good place maybe to start was to test the limits of what we mean by screen time to begin with. I mean, when we think of screen time, we think of the usual suspects like TV and our phones, tablets, computer screens, laptops, games consoles. But, you know, as, as technology moves and advances, is there anything else that is really encompassed by that term screen time? Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting one. I think, you know, screens have been researched for quite a long time in terms of televisions, for example, and the impact that watching TV has on us. But nowadays, when we're looking at, and certainly the work I'm doing looking at screens is more about smart devices because they are interfaces. They are um, two-way communication systems. They are, the content is largely unregulated on them. Um, so it is quite different to to screens as in television. I, I think there is quite a distinction in terms of the potential harms. Wearable wearable technology, smart watches, that sort of thing? Yeah, I think smart watches can be a bit problematic. I know I certainly don't like wearing mine all the time because it's invasive. <laughs> I find it I find it a bit annoying. You know, if you, you want to I want to wear my Apple Watch for um health you know, so it can monitor my heart rate and, you know, my steps and things. But then I also know when an email comes in or a message comes in, it's ping, 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 ping. I don't always want that. You know, I don't always want that. Certainly the work that I do mainly focuses on phones. So smartphones um, and devices like tablets. So iPads, Androids, anything, anything along those lines. Yeah. What about Kindles, like electronic books? Are they problematic or are they generally fine i would say that then they're not as problematic in in the sense i don't think they have the same addictive mechanisms that devices do so devices are addictive because of notifications because the sheer overwhelm of content that's on there whether that's email social platforms or the apps whereas kindles you're reading a book effectively it is it's is another way of reading a book and you're not going to be bombarded with notifications every every two minutes on the on the kindle um, so I don't see that as being as problematic. That being said, if you're on your uh, Kindle for seven hours, uh, ignoring everybody else around you, that is a problem, isn't it? Yeah. 
for sure. And we will come on to that <clears throat> social aspect uh, later on in this conversation. But, you know, it's a really helpful starting place that you explained there. You know, you talk there about the addictive nature of these uh, devices. So we're not largely just considering the bright lights and the loud noises. We're, we're basically talking about how these devices operate and how they condition us to think and feel. Yeah, absolutely. So these devices and, you know, the people who created devices and created apps do not have them themselves and they don't give them to their own children. So they are well aware of how addictive these mechanisms are. Uh, and they've been designed to exploit our human evolution. So effectively, the dopaminergic system evolved in the brain to encourage behaviours that enhance survival. So things like sex and uh, eating from an evolutionary perspective would release dopamine into the brain. And that encourages us to seek those behaviours out more. Everything releases dopamine. I think you can break every every single behavior and action down into neurotransmitters. We are searching for pleasure and the avoidance of pain. Everything that we do, even watching our favorite TV show, releases and releases dopamine in the brain. Seeing people that we love releases neurotransmitters in the brain. So everything's releasing something. But devices now have hijacked that system, and they are so much more problematic than drugs of abuse because they are so socially acceptable that we're giving them to children as well. So our devices are going nowhere, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. We rely on them and benefit from them in so many different ways, from our work as journalists to our everyday needs. There's nothing wrong with using your devices in the boring moments on the commute or while you're doing the washing up. The danger is that spending too much time with them leads to withdrawal symptoms and anxiety if we're apart from them for too long, and burnout if we fail to set the right boundaries. Charlotte's advice is not to go cold turkey here but instead find moments in the day where you intentionally put the devices down. If we don't find moments to take screen breaks, we might start becoming reclusive and find our relationships will start to suffer. What's happening as a society is we are all becoming much more antisocial and much more disconnected. And with that, we're seeing a rise in physical health problems and in mental health problems. I know that we have an ageing population and that does contribute to the rise in physical health problems that we're seeing because people are living longer and naturally our bodies don't cope as well. But we are also disconnecting and we do know that life longevity does rely on the depth and meaningfulness of the relationships with the people that we have around us. And in order to have those relationships, we do need to have these complex sort of interpersonal skills and that takes practice and work doesn't it you need to know how to navigate a relationship you need to have experience of navigating those relationships and we do that by doing it and um, so i would say really ideally things like around the dinner table not in the bedroom get your phone out the bedroom um you don't one you don't want your phone around when you're with your partner anyway uh, ideally because it's you want to be focusing on your relationship um, but for you as an individual, you, the last thing on this earth you, we, any of us need is waking up to a phone full of notifications. You wake up in the morning before you can even see straight. You've seen that you've got emails here. You've got all these notifications on the phone. However much money's gone out the bank account that morning. I mean, you're waking up to stress already. So you wonder then why why have we got you know lots of people on with, struggling with their blood pressure why why have we got raised anxiety levels and there is research that's found that even coming off your phone for an hour before you go to bed you people still have elevated cortisol in the morning and that's an hour before you go to bed 
So never mind checking it in the morning. Uh, my advice is if is to really try and do the breakfast routine. So getting up, getting yourself ready, eating your breakfast, getting yourself and the kids out the door before you ch- check your phone. Do that before you check your phone. Try and wait that long before you check your phone. And on an evening, no devices at the dinner table and none in the bedroom. So you might have time in between dinner and bed that you can go on your device if you need to. Um, and just try and set these boundaries around our use. And it would you'll see that you feel calmer, that your mental health improves and your physical health improves because you're not being overwhelmed and overstimulated by this very powerful and very addictive device that we have. Super interesting. Um, let, let's peel this back slightly to our everyday sort of working life. And I and I do wonder, is there a difference between screen time from a work capacity, i.e. admins and email, and screen time from for entertainment purposes, i.e. TV and social media and all the rest of it? Is there a distinction between the two in terms of the wear and tear that can have on us? It depends if you're addicted to work. So if you are, <laughs> you know, if you are quite addicted to work and you get, uh, you feel good about yourself through your career, you may be checking your phone religiously, checking your emails, seeing if anyone's contacted you, seeing if there's anything you can do. It depends on the function, doesn't it? If it is solely just because you have to, because it's work, it is different. And in, in that case, phones can be amazing, can't they? They can allow us a lot of freedom. They allow us a lot of freedom in terms of space and time. Um, so phones can be fantastic in that respect. But it's when it's intruding onto your personal life is when you would start to look at this as a dependence working towards moving towards addiction rather than this just being a healthy usage um, of, of that particular device. So if you're all of a sudden working when you're in bed on the nighttime or you're working when you're around your partner and your family or working at the dinner table, it's still problematic. I mean, it's not just phones, obviously, that that we're grappling with here. There's there's a multitude of of sort of devices as we've explored fall under this banner. What happens when we, you know, we do our 20, 30, 40, even maybe 50 weeks in front of a computer screen, and then with our downtime, we then return to another screen instead of, you know, taking a break. You know, I'm bad for this after work. What do you want to do to unwind? You put the telly on or you put your PlayStation on. What sort of an impact does that have? So I bring this back down to interpersonal. Where is this? In, where's your interpersonal? Where is our interpersonal connection? Where are we actually connecting with people in real life? And that's really isolating if you live like that. So if you're on a screen all day and then you go to another screen, where are we connecting? I mean, if you li- you're living, I'm assuming you know you're living with uh, with somebody, so you're connecting in that respect. But we are, as a society, becoming so much more disconnected, and it isn't good for us. We do need to be around people, and connection rarely happens with a screen. Even if you're watching a film, think about a date. Imagine going on a date and you go to the cinema. We've all done that, but it's awkward because you're sort of like not talking to each other. You don't really know each other, but you're sat watching a film together. And it, it's, it is kind of awkward. Your best kind of, if you want to get to know people, you know, screens need to be out of the way entirely. And ideally focusing on talking to that person, connecting with that person, learning about them, understanding them, understanding how they work. It takes a long time to really get to know someone. So screens are always going to be a barrier to that. Obviously, they're a huge part of our lives and always have been, even before phones. You know, certainly in my generation, TVs were a big part of our world, but they weren't as invasive because 
they're controlled. You know, you put on a TV show, it plays, that's it. There's no sort of notification. Okay, next one, let's watch the next one. And we're seeing as well with devices that our concentration levels are being impacted. And that's because we are searching for our next hit all the time. And things like social media platforms give us those hits very, very quickly. So we are ruining our own concentration, but you know, importantly, we're ruining that of the next generation without a doubt, uh, because their brains are becoming wired to expect dopamine. Probably lots of people listening to this are all, are, are in that stage as well, where their brains have been wired to expect dopamine quite quickly. So concentration can be quite hard. Um, so I think it's, it's problematic in that respect, but we, we are all working behind screens a lot more than we used to. We're more sedentary. I mean, we spend, I know, you know, referencing from the 50s here, but, you know, we are spending 53% less time outdoors now than we did in the 50s. So it's, that's not good for our body. It's not good for our brains. Um, we need to spend time outdoors in nature. But it's important for our cognitive development. It's important for our mental health. It's important for reducing the activation of the sympathetic nervous system. Um and it's also, and that's what's triggered when we're in fight or flight mode. So when there's cortisol running around the, the body uh, and the brain, uh, but it's good for our physical health as well is to spend more time outdoors. So there's a whole host of reasons how living a life like that, where we spend all day on a screen and then our free time on a screen is impacting our, our overall well-being. Can screen time ever be a legitimate way to unwind and de-stress yeah i think so i think it can be i think watching a film can be a good way of relaxing certainly if you've got something you enjoy watching uh, we, the research shows that you know when we watch things that we we enjoy it does release dopamine as well so i i think absolutely screen time can be a source of um in, it depends what we mean by screen time again it comes down to this definition I think the problem with, you know, there's some research that came out not so long ago, actually, and it was um, some research where they'd asked a load of a group of 15 year olds um, about their Instagram use. And the researchers found that, oh, these 15 year olds all felt that Instagram made them feel better. And I thought, of course it does. That's like asking people, asking a smoker whether they like smoking. Of course they like smoking. It doesn't mean that it's good for you. So, you know, it's you're asking someone, if, does the object of addiction make you feel good? Yes, it does. That's why you do it. doesn't mean it's good for you. So I thought that was kind of pointless. So in some respects, though, I'd say, if, I'd, I'd say you, we may enjoy spending a lot of time scrolling TikTok, but it isn't necessarily good for us. So setting some boundaries around how long, if you want to go on TikTok, give yourself like a window of time that you allow yourself to do it in and then shut it off then. Otherwise you can spend hours on it and wasting time, which ultimately will result in you feeling worse. And it's not good for your physical health. It's not good for your mental health. One of the most consistent pieces of advice that we hear when it comes to protecting our mental health as journalists is to maintain a strong inner circle and support network. Our friends and family provide a crucial insulating layer to protect us from work-induced stress. If we are chipping away at that protective layer through our habits with devices, then that is a problem that we need to address. To be clear, nobody is saying that all devices are bad. Technology, like video games, in fact have social aspects and relaxing genres on offer. All of that is fine in moderation, but what we do need to be aware of is our own red flags and find limits for the devices that are invading our lives. And that's what we're going to talk about next. I think everything is legitimate in moderation. 
that is that's that is the key yeah. takeaway so in moderation and in real life interaction should be favored over online interactions so if you could meet up with people and go and do something that would be better than sitting behind a screen and playing a game where you're not really connected so especially if if it's a game where you're playing the game with other people but they're in a their house and you're in yours so you're not sat together playing the game um if you could meet up and play that game together that would definitely be better than being apart from each other because even just being around other people is good for our well-being even just a smile you know if you've been isolated for a long time and you haven't seen someone you pop out somewhere and someone smiles at you just that interaction is really good for us screens are always going to be a barrier to interpersonal um relationships and interaction the more we can remove the screens, the more connected we are and the more healthy we become. But we are aware that obviously screens can be a form of entertainment and that's how it should be used is as a form of entertainment. Well, I mean, with moderation might come cutting down usage on the device, but there's kind of an inherent problem there, which we've discussed today, which is that these things are quite addictive and they're hard to give up or you may not indeed want to. So how do you kind of cross that line? Because that seems like a an inherent challenge of you know using the product or, or the device or whatever it so happens to be yeah and i think it's about you need to become aware of the impact that it's having on you and the relationships around you so if you've got a partner who's always saying to you oh can you put your phone down can you put your phone down you're not listening to me i have to say your name a million times or your children are maybe saying that to you then that's probably an indication that you're using your phone too much you can ask the people around you to point it out to you because they're the people who know you best. So your family, your children, your children definitely point it out to you. My daughter does it to me all the time. Um, so I'm now very aware when I'm using my device and she will point it out. And I'm, I'm, I'm so glad she does because it does make me uh, put it down or become more aware of it. So become consciously aware. You have to want to, you know, re- stop using your device but i would say if you're struggling with your mental health you're struggling with anxiety you're feeling burnt out you're feeling overwhelmed just give it a go because this could be the source of it so try to cut down how much time you're using it as i mentioned before you just start with baby steps and that's all we're saying is like carve some chunks of time out in the day where you don't need it and ideally it's when you are already busy so you're already eating your dinner you don't need the phone there in the morning it's always really hectic isn't it so you don't really need the phone there at that point that's if obviously you're working a traditional hours i guess which i mean most people aren't really these days but if you've got kids and they're going to school you don't have a choice more often than not so you you're, you're getting up you're getting them ready but it's always quite rushed in the morning isn't it so you could do without an extra layer of stress which the phone probably brings at that point of time so look at cutting those things out and just see what it does. You will definitely see a change. And you at first it may feel uncomfortable and it may feel awkward and you may not like it. And if you're really addicted to your phone, it may feel very uncomfortable. Um, and that's probably because whatever it is that you're suppressing by using this device is going to start bubbling up to the surface and you have to deal with it because you're there. It's, it's there staring you in the face. And that can be uncomfortable. But dealing with that, is is the is you know the healthiest thing to do i mean all of this is on top of the full-time hours that we might be already spending in front of a, a screen so with that might come some personal red flags when our body is telling us that we're maybe at our limits 
are there any red flags that we should be aware of when we're kind of at our limit with with screen time when you're not present so if you're feeling overwhelmed feeling quite burnt out noticing that it's always in your hand is, is your phone always with you do you pick it up when you go from one room to another room can you name times where you actually don't have your phone with you these are all signs that you're using your phone a bit too much I would say if you're feeling quite anxious, you're feeling quite overwhelmed, that's probably a sign that you're on your phone too much. It's a sign you haven't had enough time to decompress and you aren't decompressing because you're on your phone too much. Lots of super advice in there, Charlotte. Listen, this has been um, a real blast to speak to you. Thanks for coming on our podcast and um, all the best. Thanks for having me. A useful challenge that Charlotte laid down today is to find pockets for screen-free time, which is necessary to counterbalance all the time that we spend in front of a computer every day. It doesn't have to be a whole day. It can be a moment like dinner time. Leave your devices in another room if you have to. Just try to be present with those around you and let us know how you get on. Did you take anything else from today, though? I'd love to know. Find me on LinkedIn, Twitter slash X at JPG Journalism, or email me on jacob at journalism.co.uk. You'll find all of our episodes on all your usual podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just search and subscribe to the journalism.co.uk podcast. But that's all we have time for this week. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.